0: Welcome, friends, to Game Master's Studio, where we talk shop about running tabletop role-playing games. With us today is Jared and Ed, with your host,
1: Jerry. Hello, and welcome to Game Master's Studio, where we be talking tabletop role-playing games and tips and tricks that you can use to help bring your game at home up to the next level. Today's topic is going to be a request from a fan on Facebook asking for us to deal with addressing disruptive players, so we're going to be talking about that today and little things you can do to help kind of get your game back online. My name is Jerry, aka Frieden, host and moderator for the show today. With me in the studio is Jared, aka DMF, proprietor of Mad Doc Designs, creator of the World of Wrath and semi-professional DM, and Ed. Ed oh
2: uh, i'll be recordings oh i'm so sorry i was not paying attention let me get the american accent <clears throat> hey guys all
1: right so we are doing talking about disruptive players um what to do how to handle when players are causing the game flow to disrupt um we've had a couple of episodes previously that we have discussed similar topics Uh, we had a metagaming episode we had the keeping the flow we had dealing with absent players but uh, we wanted to go into more detail about this just because it can be a tough thing to handle especially for for younger dm well by younger DMs, I mean people who don't have as much DM experience, and getting into that just so that it keeps your game going. Um, well, I, mean, I,
2: I guess GMs who are physically younger might have a might have a a problem with that too. Either they have a group of young people they have to control, or everyone else is older than them, and they have to be the authority,
1: which is rough. And now that we've disrupted my flow, <laughs> we're going to actually get into the uh, different disruptions that we were talking about in the pre-game show or the pre-show hawk whatever you want to call it um we kind of like
2: pre-game show yeah we we, we kind of we come up with <laughs> a like list that. of
1: what we want to talk about and then we throw half of them out while we're doing the show um so the first one that we have on the list that we came up with was the metagamers now we've covered this in an entirely separate episode um a few months back um, but we definitely wanted to touch on it again um metagaming is when the players are taking out of game information and using that in-game to their advantage that's pretty much the definition we agreed on. Um, so just real quick, let's just touch on some of the ways to address that. And we're going to, we're going to knock off the easy one right off the bat. Every one of these can probably be addressed. And probably the first line of address should be pull the player aside and talk to them. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's trust in the gaming group. It's understanding that your players are people and treating them like responsible adults just to get the feedback. Um, but metagaming,
2: yeah. So first I want to make the distinction between knowledgeable players and metagamers. Any player who's been playing for a while is probably going to have a lot of in care or out of character knowledge about the world. But then you're going to come across people who you throw a troll or a Hydra at them and they automatically know their weakness. Um, I think the, the best thing to do would be, you know, if they sort of blurt out, oh, light it on fire as the GM, maybe say something along the lines. Of, well, hold on a second. You might not know that. You know, now you have to decide if it's common knowledge or not. But if it's not, make them roll, and then if they fail the roll, say, "Well, you don't know how to keep it dead," you know. And then any any other player who does it, and then enforce that. You know, if they say, "Well, I'm going to hit with fire anyway," say you're, you know, something along the lines of, you know, as the GM, your character wouldn't necessarily know to do that, and you didn't have a fire weapon out before, so you can hit it with your regular weapon or do nothing. You know, sometimes you have to, you do have to put your foot down. Well, you don't have to do it in a disrespectful way and just remind them that you are metagaming.
1: And and as the GM, you also have the opportunity to move the goalposts. Um, Maybe the fighter goes, oh, it's a troll. Kill it with fire. And they have a cleric of the storm god in the group. And you decide, no, they're going to be vulnerable to lightning instead. Yeah. So it's something the party has at their disposal. But now they have to find that. And it. Kind of takes the wind out of the sails of the metagamer a little bit.
2: Yeah, that was that was going to be my second suggestion was either make new uh, monsters or creatures that no one would have any idea what they are and have the players fight against those, you know, just guessing at their abilities or modify the ones that are already in the book. Sure, throw goblins at them, but maybe they're goblins of the earth god and they have, you know, uh. Um, a weakness to acid or something like that, you know, or or they're strong against other elements, you know, throw, you modify them, throw something strange at them. Or, or just don't call them goblins. Yeah. Or just, they're they're
1: the, they're the forest dwellers or, you know, just another name and use the stat stat block for goblins. Everything right as goblins. Yes. But since the players don't see those stats directly, it may take them a little while to figure out that they're goblins or they may go, oh, well, these guys aren't so bad. They're just like goblins. Right. I had great success with that. Uh, it was I think it was the Morlocks in 3.5. They're like a one half CR creature. Mm-hmm. But I gave them a different name and I had the townsfolk be really scared of them. And when the PCs went in, realistically, they're high enough level that they could have just mowed through them if they just waded through. But instead, they were sneaking around. They're like, we don't want to we don't want to confront these guys. We don't know what they're capable of. And I had, you know, fourth, fifth level characters sneaking around CR one half creatures because they weren't sure that they would be able to handle it.
2: I also enjoyed in your game, the Shadow of the Tower game, you did that uh, as well. You had uh, twisted abominations of some sort. I forget exactly what you called them, uh, <laughs> but they were, they were basically humanoids who had been twisted by magic and were dwelling in the swamps, and they were uh, threatening a town. We had to go, sort of go either put them on our side or wipe them out, depending on what we we're doing. And as we fought them, the more and more we fought them, the more and more I realized these are troglodytes. Yeah. And, and, and they were, they were, they, you were using the troglide sap stat block, but yeah. you, you changed the character and that's perfectly acceptable. That way we didn't really know what we were fighting. And then as we were fighting it, we're like, oh, this is pretty cool. This is just revamping something that's already there.
1: Yeah. And, the, and actually it building on that. And then I had more of those. I had, I had the brutes that were the Minotaurs. And then I had the, actually, I think the twisted abomination was a flesh golem. And to the players, they're just bigger and bigger versions of these things. Right. But it's just progressing out of the stat block. So um the next one on the list that we wanted to cover, because we really kinda didn't want to put too much time on metagamers because we have a full episode on that. Um we've got absurd players. Yeah. This was specifically the in the conversation I had with the fan on Facebook. They were talking about the player who was just being disruptive and doing things to the detriment of the party, uh to the detriment of the fun of the game, not so much for any sense other than well, it doesn't really matter because it's just a game or it's not real. Um, people who are just kind of being stupid. Yeah, yeah. Just doing wild stuff for their own entertainment.
0: Yeah. Been in plenty of games where people are just being stupid because, oh, yeah, you know, like you said, it's just a game. So, you are know, like how, where else am I going to get to be stupid and say that a character is going to do this? I'll never be able to do this in a video game. Right. Until GTA came along. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, dealing with those kind of players can be tricky because, you I mean, do you fully shut down the player slash character or do you, you know, try to, you know, how 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 heavy-handed are you going to be with, you know, controlling them in game is really what it boils down to.
2: Well, again, I think there's a difference. You know, if the thing that you're doing is wacky but it's not disrupting the game, then that's perfectly fine. Yeah. And as a GM, even if what the player is trying to do is a little absurd but it's it's feasible, let them try it. At the worst, they fail. Um, two examples I have: I had a uh, one character who did the weekend at Bernie's. He was invisible. Did the weekend at Bernie's with a goblin to try to get into a goblin encampment. And that was that was everyone there laughed, and it was part of what we were trying to do already. And then on a, uh, another game I was in, I had a, a monk that we were on these flying ships and anytime another flying ship was nearby because we were pirates we had this trebuchet set up to launch the monk at the other
1: ship because trying to land on the deck not trying to pierce the hull
2: <laughs> yeah 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 trying 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 to land on it and torpedo number 1 and start just disrupting everyone now he was smart enough to have a 100 foot length of rope and a uh uh um Grappling hook? A grappling hook on the end of it and i think he no had parachute. a po- potion of feather fall or something but you know i mean the whole the whole point is that's a really absurd thing to do well yeah well i think you, you but those ha- are in line
1: you have the the absurdness that that fits in the tone or helps set the tone yes. of a game and it's okay to have a game that's a little more lighthearted. not everything has to be the fate of the world is resting you know some of it can be make sure that the wedding cake gets delivered to the baron's wedding safely right right uh, that was, yeah another reference to one that that was an adventure we never actually played but no it was on the it was on the uh, the board though yes yeah. um to hire adventurers to protect the cake <laughs> um so you I can, like that, I'm stealing yeah. that. <laughs> you can have uh very absurd tones happening and it's okay even in a realistic game to occasionally have that that comedy relief filler episode you know you'll see that in um in dramatic series like TV series or even movies that they'll have comedic moments or comedic episodes. So you can have some absurd stuff going on. I think when it gets to the excess that it's now outside the tone of the game or the people just aren't really being amused by it, that it starts to become an issue that you need to address as a DM.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you have to have ups and downs to anything that you're setting a tone for. Like, even if it's supposed to be a comedy, it's got to have serious moments. Otherwise, it's not funny because it's just if you're you can't be at 11 all the time. You know what I mean? What it kind of what it boils down to? Unless you're spinal tap. Right. Um. So, you know, I get that. And like you said, you know, if even if it's a really dramatic game, you know, it's OK to have moments of levity. But you can't have entire sessions of levity, you know, because then that will ruin the tone. So yeah. yeah, for dealing with absurd players, um, I think one of the big tricks is going to be, you know, just—I mean—in the moment you have to gauge it, and then you also have to see whether or not you know it's it's disrupting the you know the game, the game, the group, the table, and they're fun. So if it is. I think the number one thing, like we said at the beginning of the the episode, is just you take him to the side. Like, all right, um, as soon as they do, like, hey, you know, maybe it's supposed to be this really dramatic moment. They're like, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to start hopping on one foot and I'm going to start slaughtering all these innocent people and, like, just something stupid and ridiculous, like, you know, all right off the top of their head. Uh, We're going to take a 15-minute break and um, I'm going to, everyone go have a cigarette, get a drink, you know, order a pizza, whatever, do whatever you're going to do. Hey, you player. Were you not? You come over here. I want to chat with you for a second. Like you, you understand the tone of the game is X. So you know you're playing Y. You know, like if you're not gonna take the game seriously, whether it's a serious game or not. If you're not gonna play the game for what it is, then maybe you should sit this one out. You know what I mean? Maybe you can join the next game. If you're not feeling it tonight, you know, take a break. You know, we can say your character's not here.
1: Um, I but, think I think another useful option as a DM is take them at their word. Oh, you're before the king and you decide you're going to take your pants off and relieve yourself on the floor. Well, realistically, how is a king going to respond to that? You want to take this action. You need to own up to it. You need to you you need to deal with the fact that you're doing what you say you're doing.
2: Yeah. Show them the consequences for their actions. So if they're being super absurd, like that monk that I that had a trebuchet for launching to other airships, Mm -hmm. have me miss. If it becomes disruptive, if it's too much to handle, if I'm just destroying everything, you know, or whatnot, that's a great have me miss. Okay. So, yeah, I have a potion of uh, feather fall, but I'm not going to be in the fight. I'm going to keep falling. So, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's not going to help anything, you know, I'm going to have, there's a consequence, you know, for the care, you know, the. For people who are being disruptive, just like you said, Jerry, you know I'm gonna, you know, do something disgraceful right as we're addressing the king. And king's not gonna stand for that, and his his guard are gonna come get you. And you know, if you have moderately high level characters, find moderately high level NPCs in the group and have them mess with them. You know, jail yeah, him.
0: I think that's uh, twice as useful for the the disruptive player that tends to say things, but then be like, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Like, oh, so you're, you know, because I don't. That used to be a problem that I used to have a lot a lot back in the day. It would be like, someone would speak up and say something really stupid. And yeah. then the, the DM would be like, so you're really doing that? No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm well, just kidding. No, I, I'm not really doing that.
1: From now on, anything that you say at the table is happening. Allow, allowing take backs, I think... You know, if, if it's, if it's an occasional thing, then that's fine. If they're doing it multiple times, you know, an hour, then you need to start thinking about yeah, that. Also so it. So another
0: thing too, if you're just like, oh, that it would be, wouldn't it be really funny if blah, and you say like a really quick snappy joke, that would have been funny in this situation. It's another thing if you spend, you know, 10 minutes, like I'm going to, you know, like I'm going to relieve myself in front of the King and then I'm going to go over and slap him, you know, his wife, you know, the queen, and then I'm going to go over and sexually harass the princess and like, you know
1: what, dude? Yeah. Okay. So now you're in jail. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, although, regarding in character versus out of character, if it gets really out of hand, there's an old school gamer. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Moose Rule. Um, no. The Moose Rule is basically anything you say, your character actually says, unless it's specifically game speak, or you have your hand on your forehead, you know, the thumb on the forehead and the oh, fingers right. splayed out yeah. like the moose that way. You're, you're like, Oh, that proves that what you're saying is out of character. Yeah. yeah. I, I had not um, heard the term of moose, the moose, yeah. rule. moose yeah. rule, but I was aware of that. Yeah. Yeah. That and we so, and we used that to makes do- it, that makes it really obvious, you know, to d- differentiate in character versus out of character.
0: Yeah.
2: A group I was in used to do that. We, there, we, there was two different ways we did it. One group actually had, uh we had those, like restaurant uh, deals where it's just like a clear plastic thing, but you can put a sheet of paper in it okay, so you can see yeah. the menu. Yeah. Well, someone stole a bunch of those. So we, we had a bunch of them that were made up and one side said in character, and one side said out of character. So if you're talking in character, you looked at your thing and made sure the in character thing was out so the GM could see it. And then you flipped it around and, and then you flipped it back around if you were talking out of character. Mm-hmm. So that was one way to do it. And the other thing was basically just like that, except we just put our hand over our head, yeah. you know, like, Hey, basically I have my hand raised. I'm saying this in care or out of character. Right.
1: You know, no, I, don't, I had a wonderful game that was a very just in depth, uh, character in deep on the characters. And we're talking back and forth, me as the GM with one of the players for a while. And out of nowhere, he just hand, you know, hand up on the forehead. And he's like, I just have a quick question before we keep going. And he asked something about whether or not his character knew it. And it was just really great that we were so deep into the gaming that he didn't even want to pretend of the possibility that he was actually saying this in character because yeah. he didn't want to disrupt the flow. It was an awesome moment for me as a GM.
2: Yeah. So definitely to reel in people who are being absurd is make sure that they understand the difference between in character, and not of character. Um, make sure they understand the tone of the game, but if they're still being disruptive, you know, let them get, get away with a few things and then let them feel the consequences of their actions. And if they keep on having to make a new character because their characters keep getting jailed or killed, then eventually they're going to,
1: Run Either out of le- character ideas? Either
2: they're going to leave. Yeah, they might run out of character <laughs> ideas, or they might they might leave the game, or or uh, make it you know, or or learn the lesson. And hopefully that's the last one that they do. And don't be he- don't be heavy handed on it. Don't be mean about it. Don't make an enemy. Yeah, don't make it. Don't make an enemy. Just be like, okay, well, you decided to be launched over to another airship. You missed grappling hook, missed. So you're falling. So you're not basically you're not going to be in this combat. And then the group's going to have to find a way to get you.
0: That's where the sound of fake rolling dice comes in handy too. Like, yep. oh, oh, you, okay. Yep. This is behind the DM screen. You guys can't see that I'm about to roll a 20 because it doesn't matter. Yep. Oh yeah. You missed. Yep. Um, that sucks. <laughs> one oh.
2: other, w- one other interesting thing that I just want to bring up is, uh, players typically roll their own dice, but you may want to institute something that I'm going to call the Dan Harmon rule, uh, <laughs> which, uh, if you've ever watched community, the, the D episodes there, or if you've seen his, um, his show, Harmon quest uh Harmon yeah, quest Harman yeah quest, uh,
0: it's on CISO on youtube uh
2: basically the only set of dice is owned by the gm and he rolls everything and tells everyone what happens yep. so you know that might be an interesting way to try to run a game depending on you and your group
1: yeah i remember there's there's some classic some dm i part of me wants to say that it was gary gygax himself but part of me says i don't think so um but the quote was the only reason a DM should need to roll the dice is because they enjoy the sound it makes. That's true. <laughs> and a DM is fully within their rights to just decide the outcome yeah. as long as they can keep it fair and don't you know, screw over players or play favorites on that. I think it's a good thing. Speaking of disruptive players, Garm
2: is in the studio. So if you hear any doggy noises, that's just him being friendly.
1: And I appreciate that you're able to say that with Garm on your lap (laughs) or trying to be rather. Um, So moving along, the next one we have is absent players. Yeah. Um, This was something we also covered in a previous episode, kind of just how to deal with what to do when somebody is absent. Um, But this is also something that we wanted to bring up here as well, because it's not just people who can't make it. It also includes people who are late, Mm -hmm. people who have to leave early, people who who are unreliable to be there because they're not there they're going to be disrupting the group disrupting the game flow they're going to show up and people are going to go oh hey dave's here okay let's wait till he comes in before we roll initiative and he comes in says hi and
2: yeah the first half hour hour of any game session is really going to be people eating and people chatting you know maybe not that long depending on your group but usually at least 20 minutes half an hour you know, so, you know, game starts at seven, you know, Dave shows up at eight 30 well, he has to
1: eat and he has to ch- chat with
2: everyone too. So there goes another half hour while everyone's just kind of
1: kicking around. And not only that game starts at seven, people show up at seven. We start playing by seven 30. Dave gets there a quarter after eight. Now everything grinds to a halt and whatever momentum we had is lost. Yeah. Right. And then, yeah, getting back on. Um. And that may be a case of you need to address it with with the player. You know, hey, we want you to try to be here on time. It might also be a case to address it with the players. You know, we know, th- we know that Dave's going to show up late. Let's not lose focus when he comes in. Just be like, hey, Dave, we're going up against the Bullywugs. If you want to get your dice out, we can get started You know, on that fight. We can get you in on this fight. Um, otherwise, we'll just get going on that. We get set up. I think there's a couple of ways that you can handle it to keep the momentum from dying.
2: Yeah. You really just need to be mindful of that and, and, and be prepared to deal with it. And I, I I agree with what you said, either try to get them like right into it. Hey, we're doing a thing now, get your dice out. You can be part of it. Or, Hey, if you need a minute, that's fine, but we're going to finish this up while you're, while you're getting ready. And then that's not going to take away all of the distraction, but it should minimize it.
1: And then, the other one there too is the the mid, mid-game absent players the people who are constantly getting up you know got to run to the bathroom got to hit the fridge you know i'm not doing anything so i'm going to get up and wander around and talk a little bit about uh about minimizing their impact on the game
0: well i'd say the first trick is make sure you're taking regular breaks to try to avoid that in general that'd be my first suggestion i mean if you have a problem you know problematic players that, you know, they're just doing that all the time, then breaks won't matter. But if you're taking a break every couple of hours, then that should minimize a lot of the wandering and the the bathrooms and breaks and such like that, you know, on the side.
2: As someone who wanders, I would, I would have to make sure that you're you're making, let me restate this. As someone who wanders, I would say that you want to make sure the person is still paying attention to the game. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll take a couple of bathroom breaks here and there maybe get up, you know, grab a snack, something like that. But I'm always into it. I'm always paying attention. I'm still there. I'm still, my mind is still at the game. I'm just going through emotion.
1: Yeah. I also think doing,
2: so you want to make sure your player is doing that. Not I'm going to go play video games for 10 minutes while you guys are doing something else. That's disruptive.
1: Yeah. Um, I also think that you can do it by shifting the focus. Okay. I'm going to we're in town, we're split up. I'm going to focus on this side of the table and let the other side of the table know, Hey, it's going to be five, 10 minutes, but then we'll get back and do what's going on with you. So that way that players yeah. not knows that, okay, I, this is a good time to get up and go, you know, grab a drink or hit the bathroom, whatever Right. Their DMS working with somebody else. And then I'll come back and I'll have my turn.
2: Yeah. Whenever the group is in town and they have some downtime, I always do that like where I'll go around the table and I'll look at someone. And say, what do you, what do you want your character to do? And sometimes they'll have an item or uh, an idea of what they want to do and they'll bring another character along with them. So, okay, great. These two characters are going to do something for a while, or maybe the group all decides to go at the same time. That's cool. But, uh, you know, otherwise, you know, it gives everyone sort of an option of, I'm going to focus on this right now. Everyone else, you know, take a quick break.
0: Yeah, I mean, plus, what we, like we've talked about in previous episodes, if you have a problem with someone that wanders or gets up from the table, usually it's due to boredom. Like, they're just looking for something to do. Like, maybe they have to go to the bathroom, so, so obviously that's its own thing. But, like, if they're, like, kind of wandering around, like, it just engages the player. You know, if, if it's one of those they're not in this scene, then that's kind of a different story, like what you guys were kind of seem like you guys were getting into. But there have been moments in other games where like my character was very present in what was going on. But as a character, I wouldn't, I would normally just kind of sit in the shadows and brood and listen to what was going on, but I wouldn't be very active, like character wise. And or the DN didn't give me a lot of opportunity to be very active in the, you know, the situation. It was kind of like them just telling me what was going on. So that's like when I would get up and wander around a little bit, just because
1: I'm bored really is what it boiled down to. So like engage me and I won't wander. Well, we're kind of also, you know, crossing over into the next one on the list, which is the disengaged player, um, which we've also discussed about in previous episodes. But, you know, the player who's there, they're physically at the table, but maybe they're not paying attention. They're daydreaming. They're planning their character for the game that they have tomorrow night. Um, They're just not in the game that's going on right now.
2: Yeah. So, so first thing I want to touch on is, is it disrupting your game? Some people are just fidgety. Some people don't have a great attention span. So you you, you have to know your players. We've, we always talk about this, you know, and if you know this person just doesn't really have the attention span and every once in a while, you know, their mind wanders, that's okay. Just, you know, bring them back into it.
1: You I, know? And I also have, I have to take that into concern. I have, one of my games that I'm running with, with family members. And you know, there's a couple of, of preteens in the group. And I just know that I need to make sure that I come back to them much faster than I come back to some of the other characters. So instead of being like going around the table, it'd be like, okay, talk to the kids, talk to somebody else, back to the kids now over to the cleric, now back to the kids. And now just so that I'm keeping them engaged, knowing that they have a much shorter attention span. Where you know the 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 guy who's playing the thief can sit there for an hour without having anything to do and he's okay with it. Yeah. You know, know your players. Talk to your players.
2: Yeah, uh, definitely. This is one where, as a GM, you want to make sure that you are being engaging and you are engaging uh, all of your players. Uh, I'd say uh, equally, or at least trying to engage them equally. You know, you're going to have your players who don't really want to do a lot of role-playing, but they want to be at the game. So you have to identify those players. That, that's fine. So long as they're not distracting anyone else, that's okay. I was in a group once. There was this guy. He'd watch tattooing videos the entire game on his laptop, but there was no sound. He was just watching it so that he could see it because he was a tattoo artist. He was there because he just liked the experience of being around his friends, you know, and thought the game was interesting, but he wasn't, he wasn't super into it. So that's fine. You're not disrupting anyone, and when it was his turn, you know, yeah, you might have to catch him up a little bit on what was going on, but he was usually, he'd, he'd participate. But that being said, one rule you might want to think of, it's going to be really hard to enforce, you know, and around a group of friends, but no devices. People checking their phones all the time, checking their Facebook, checking their messages, that can be disruptive. As a GM, you're trying to describe, okay, this is the room you go into, this is the, the, the monsters that are there, this is the situation the king needs you to help with, you know. Uh, and everyone's on their phone, you know, texting their buddy about what their dinner was or something like that.
1: Which And, then and might, they ask you to repeat it. Yeah. It winds up leading to the, wait, what were we doing again? Yeah. Who do we have to talk to? Where do we have to go?
2: So, I mean, it's, it's hard to enforce because, you know, most people just don't want to. So, you know, you can't take your phones away.
0: Yeah. But at the same time, like, look, you guys are all here of your own free will. Yeah. Here's the deal. Like I'm going to be running this game. I'm taking time out of my life to plan this in advance. Like it takes more time out of the DM's life than it does out of the player's life. They're spending a lot of time away from the table, planning this out mm-hmm. unless you are a completely off the cuff DM. And that's fine. And that's good, good on them. But the average DM is spending at least a few hours, you know, or at least one to, you know, th- several hours planning out, you know, every session, the least you can do is pay me the respect of paying attention when I'm talking to you. So, you know, if it is a problem, I would be like, look, Here's the deal. I take time out of my life to come here and entertain you. And I have fun with this too, but I'm not having fun. If you're all ignoring me and you're playing on your devices. So we're all going to like, I can't tell you what to do, but I would like to, it'd be nice if we could all just come to an agreement and an arrangement that we, you know, we turn, turn the cell, put the cell phones on violent, on at least vibrate, if not silent, put them in your pocket only, you know, if it's, you know, feel free to, if you get a message, check it. If it's something that's an emergency, you can, you can still look at your cell phone. I understand that. So well, what if it's an emergency? Look at your, put it on vibrate. If you get a message, pull it out, check the message. Don't reply unless it's an emergency. If you know if it's a phone call, that could be an emergency. Take it. I understand. But yeah. unless it's an emergency, please keep your cell phones in your pocket. Don't play around on the internet. Right. No playing cell phone apps and games. Let's all just play this. If you're not entertained enough to, you know, at this game, tell me. And apparently I need to work harder and spend another hour or two, you know, prepping the game, yeah. you know,
2: the divide comes. A lot of people use devices for the actual game itself. Oh yeah, and I'm my my, one Mo- of them. my yeah my Monday night group. Um, none of them use laptops, but every well, I mean they might, but everyone's using like tablets or phones, and in part because their character sheet is on it, because mm-hmm. they have a character sheet app, which is great. I'm I'm old school. I like I like pen and paper, so that's what I use. But uh, you know that perfectly fine. You know, uh, uh, one of my games, my Saturday night game actually, I have everything on my laptop. Like I'll, I'll send all the information to the GM so they have it all so they can reference it. But I, everything, no pen and paper. I have everything on my laptop. It's just easier for me because there's not a lot of space. So that way I'm just have that. But you can't be going and like, checking out
0: YouTube videos or yeah. And just because there's devices to out music. because you're using them for the game doesn't mean you can't tell if they're not paying attention. Right. You know I mean, like to- if they have their laptop out because they're using like D20 pro or, you know, roll 20.net or whatever, or just because their character sheets are on it. Right. Then they should still be able to pay attention. If they come, you know, if every time I come around to your turn, you're like, Oh wait, what's going on? Like, all right, dude, close YouTube, put Facebook down, whatever you're doing. If it's not D D related or whatever game we're playing, you need to shut it down, dude. Cause like you're every time I come to you, you're not paying, you're not ready. You don't know what's going on ever. You're obviously not paying attention.
2: And I think a lot of the a lot of the people that do this, when it finally gets around, like one thing that they'll do is if their character's not involved, they'll do something else. Like as, as a player, this person is doing something. Maybe they're drawing something, or maybe they're, you know, checking their phone or something. Which sometimes that's okay. But sometimes just because your player's not involved or your characters aren't involved doesn't mean you as a player shouldn't be paying attention because you might be getting this information shortly. Like the player might be coming to tell you what's going on in, you know, so I, I always, as a player, I, I try to pay attention to everything that's going on in game, but the, the player has to make the distinction of, okay, I don't know about this as a character. So maybe, maybe Adric iron skull doesn't know that the rogue is, you know, uh, secretly, uh, uh, paying informants, you know, uh, in in town to start a spy network, he doesn't know that, but I do so that I can maybe help that player down the line, give him some ideas out of character or when Adric finally realizes it, I have some idea of how to play that situation, you know, so... They definitely yeah. have to make that distinction and make sure your players are making that distinction. Otherwise, they're just uh, disrupting yeah, the game. And
0: I get with the whole like, okay, you know, I'm not my character's not here. Blah blah. blah. I just think you know, personally, I, it's rude. That's what it boils down to. Yeah. You know, I spend a lot of time prepping my sessions, and it's, if you're not going to pay attention, then I have
1: other people that will fill your seat. <laughs> right, let's. uh, let's actually slide along since we're since we're talking about rude let's actually slide to the other end of the spectrum the people there are paying attention to everything um the rules lawyers yeah um these are the people that are jumping in to correct people because well the book says this or the rules say this or so on and so forth Uh, before we proceed i believe we need to roll
0: initiative to see who's going to start talking first right
2: (laughs) Yeah, uh, that can be difficult. I've actually been known to be a rules lawyer in my past. Um, I still do it sometimes. I like the idea, if, if, if you don't have as great a grasp on the rules, but you want to run a game, I like the idea that actually uh, uh, Jerry was doing for a while, um, was the sort of designated arbiter. Like, hey, how does this work? And you'd have one person who would, who would look that up. And show the GM this is what it
0: says. I like to. I've been referring to them like exclusively now, just so there's no confusion, like as like
1: assistant DMs.
2: Yeah, or assistant DM. Yeah, like, I, th- that I, makes sense. I think when we first started doing kind of like a
1: teacher's aide. <laughs> when we yeah. first started doing it, the joke was, it's not a rules lawyer; it's a freelance mechanics consultant. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really there not to necessarily say you can't do this because it's not against the rules, but rather to bring to the GM's attention. This is what the rules say. How would you like to handle this? Yes,
2: and that's that's the really the best way to handle those sorts of things is if you dis if you think you know the system better than the GM, that's okay. And so long as you're not disrupting the game, you can point out that this is how the book says to do it. But then just like you said, how do you want to handle it? Remember, and this is something as a GM, you have to remind your players. The GM is God. You are the one who makes the rules. Maybe you don't like the way the system works. Now, if you're changing a rule, you have to tell them, I'm changing this. I want to do it like this. And then you have to remember to be consistent yeah. so that the next time you do it the same way. Because if you change the rules arbitrarily, then the players are not going to enjoy that. And they're going to get fed up and, and, and whatnot.
0: Yeah. The most important instance of that would be if you change any sort of combat or spell mechanic, because some characters are going to be built around the function of certain mechanics and they need to make sure that their character is built properly to accomplish what it is that they want to accomplish.
2: Right. Uh, But if assuming that you as a GM are, are being fair, then the rules lawyer becomes disruptive when they are pointing out everything. These are the guys who, not so much metagamers, who they see the troll and they know to use it with fire. But every time a new situation arises, they tell you this is the mechanic to use. No, you do it like this. No, it's done like this. No, it's done like this. And a lot of times they will stop. They'll they'll make a big, hold on, and then they'll pull out the book and they'll start flipping to the page, which disrupts the game every time.
0: Yeah, they're not only constantly, like, they are wasting everyone at the table's time. They're constantly breaking any immersion that you're trying to you. It takes a long time to get the DM, immer- you know, to get the players immersed in the game. Like immersion is a very, you know, it's a process. And when you, if you have a rules lawyer at your table, even if they only jump out three or four times a session, that's, you know, 20 minutes you just lost, you know, getting everyone immersed and you're like, okay, I just spent the last 20 minutes describing all the, you know, and you know, the details of this nasty, murky, uh, moist, damp dungeon with you know echoey drippy you know like you, uh, know, s- uh. <laughs> you know you know slime covered walls and you know i like, got everyone all into it you know the flapping of wings from these bats are in the background or you know the my players are on you know the the pins and, and needles and then and, and,
1: um excuse me um how dark vision actually works is <laughs> or just to have the you know you going through all that and, well, well actually I, I i i have a a My degree in wildlife biology and the way that bats would actually nest would be da 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 da. Mm -hmm. Or don't correct me. (laughs) Especially with information that you obtained through experience in a world different from the world that the game is operating yeah. in.
0: If, if I said this was earth 2017, <laughs> then you can you know like, and I want this to be hyper realistic.
1: Please feel free to correct me if I'm ever wrong. Then you have just been given permission to correct me, which one, one of my things that I saw online recently that I loved was uh DM said that he dealt with people who tried to invent gunpowder in game by saying it doesn't work. And then when the person complains, they says, what? We don't have dragons and elves in our world. Laws are different.
2: Sure. Yeah. Or just use the old standalone as okay, great. Out of character, you know, you know how to make it. You know the you know the formula for gunpowder. Your character's still working on it. He has no idea what he's doing.
1: So if you got a rules lawyer in the group, how do you deal with it? How do you handle that? Above and beyond, take them aside outside of game and saying, Hey, you're being a little disruptive.
2: Yeah, obviously that's point number one. But the other thing just comes down to, you know, if, uh, sort of like with the metagamer, um, when, if you change your monster, it's going to have different properties. So they're not going to know what it is, uh, with the rules lawyer, you know, you, you can say, well, it's going to work a little differently. Here's how it's going to work, you know, present those other rules. Uh, but uh, really uh, just another, another way to do it is, or, or really, I think with the rules lawyer, that is the only way to deal with it.
0: Yeah. You got to tell them big the to is you're like, disrupting look, my game. Uh, hey, you know, this is how we... Well, on page 146
1: of the rulebook, blah, 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 blah. Not in my world. Yeah. And also just, well, we've been handling it this way. This is the way we're going to keep doing it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'd be like, okay, you know, the... the it's kind of hard because like you, you said, like, either you talk to them out of game or you talk to them in the game. And if you want to play nice during the game, then you're almost... Not you're not really discouraging them it's like oh well, thanks for bringing that to my attention we're going to run it the way that i said this time but that's not necessarily discouraging him from doing it again the next you know the next time it comes up so i think it's one of those like you can kind of gloss over it to deal with them during the session that you notice it's a problem but you really have to talk to them outside of the game you really have to take them to the side to to really truly address the issue look dude I understand that you know you know the rules really well. I know the rules decent. You Maybe you know them better than me. Maybe you don't. But the trick is, like, I'm running the game. What I say goes, if you, anytime you have a problem, please feel free to make a note. And you can come to me after the game. And if I agree with the rules or you pointed something out that I wasn't aware of, then I will make a correction. And we'll let everyone know to
1: the next time. Yeah. But you need to stop interrupting the game because you're ruining it for everyone. I remember I actually had a game that I ran and it was the first five to 10 minutes of each game session was like, okay, last time here are the things that I as a DM did wrong as far as rulings and stuff. And here's how it's going to be addressed going forward. Right, And that's, <coughs> and like you said, I really
0: think that's the only way to truly deal with a rules lawyer. I mean, if it's the first time that you've dealt with them, you can placate them. Oh, thanks for addressing that. You know, that, you know, or thanks for bringing that to my attention. We'll do that. Or we're going to do it my way this time, but, or, Hey, could, you know, I, I appreciate that. You're trying to let me know what's going on, but you're kind of interrupting the game. Can you going forward, just make notes and come to me after the game and we'll talk about it.
2: Well, I guess one thing you could do is unless you want to be a jerk
1: is we'll get to that in a minute without, (laughs) without
2: being a jerk. One thing you could do as a GM is institute a rule, uh, um, no books at the table other than what the GM has. So everyone else keep your books in your bag or something along those lines.
0: There's still going to be the rules lawyers that pretty much know verbatim off the top of their head. That's
2: fine, but they're not just going to pull the book out and flip to the page. True. They might say, I don't think it works like that. They might even be a jerk about it and say, that's not how it goes, you know, or, or worse, you know, but with the books, not there, they won't be as easily inclined to grab them and open them and show you what the rule says. Well, you know I, or if they I, start doing I it, think you're if right they start doing it you can cut them off and say hey keep your books in your bag I understand that you think that that works differently we can check it out later we're gonna do it like this now mm-hmm. so that might be that might be one tool that might help I don't know if that's yeah. gonna certainly solve that's the problem. Not, I
0: don't think it will solve it all the time I think you're right like a good 70% of the time oddly enough the worst situation I ever had with a rules lawyer never once tried to pull out a book he would just sit there and argue with me at the table no. <laughs> Jerry knows exactly who I'm talking about,
2: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and we uh, don't have to name any names. No, we don't have
1: to. So well, specifically, necessary. I was going to bring up for not bringing up out the books. You also have to be careful because you can make mistakes there. Um, I know in our group for months upon months we were allowing uh, rogues to dodge with an uncanny action or yeah, with yeah the uncanny. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, and or cunning action. They, yeah, they yeah, have cutting, a cunning yeah, action, yeah. Which yeah. and we were allowing to- a dodge, which just it yeah. doesn't it does exist. it doesn't exist per yeah. the book rules and actually kind of overpowered it so yeah, yeah. it allows you sure. dash
2: disengage and hide not to also dodge. make sure
1: but. that even if you're going like oh i know that this is what the books say double check to make sure that's what the books actually say mm-hmm.
0: uh, well otherwise. i don't think ed was saying that the dm couldn't have the book he was saying yeah. that all the players
1: yeah yeah i know yeah. but but just it was just a case of say when you're you're saying you're absolutely certain that this is what the book is right we were all absolutely certain that that's what the book said Mm -hmm. and nobody ever bothered to actually check the book to make sure that that's what it said
2: i even know some people that were under the impression that the the action surge for the fighter just meant you get one extra attack that's not what it
0: means yeah no yeah they get a whole actual full action
1: anyway yeah so moving on to the to the final one which got brought up already kind of but we wanted to touch on is jerks
2: yeah yeah uh there are jerks um Sometimes they're just obnoxious. Uh, Sometimes they're dicks. Um, Either way, they can disrupt a game. You know, if someone's just trying to have some fun and and whatnot, they're not being too bad. That's one thing. But when you have
1: people who are the in-person version of online trolls.
2: Yeah, pretty much like it's none of the other things. They're they're not spouting rules that that, you know, they shouldn't be spouting. They're not, you know, metagaming they're not doing any of the other things but they're still being super disruptive then they're probably just a jerk mm-hmm. and there's ways to deal with jerks i mean you know along uh, other than just talking to them but i'd say probably the most prominent way to deal with them and i lost my train of thought so the really the best way to deal with them is you you have to you have to put your foot down there's a lot of gms that are, they like, they want to run the game, but maybe they don't necessarily want to hurt anyone's feelings or they don't want to make enemies or they don't want to, you know, make anyone mad at them. And that's fine. I I can understand that, you know, as someone who generally wants other people to like them all the time, you don't want to do something that'll make someone not like you. But you also have to remember as a GM, part of your, really part of your duty is to make sure that the game is running smoothly. And if you have a person that is disrupting the game, you you have to stand up to them. You have to say, hey, no more of that. You got to watch yourself or I don't know that I'm going to watch you here anymore.
0: Yeah, well, you got to realize that the DM is kind of pulling double duty because you're typically the friend of everyone at the table, which is why everyone's there to begin with. But you're also the boss of the room. Yeah. You know, like you're in charge. You might not be almighty Presidento, but you're the CEO of what's going on. You know, so it's your job to make sure that everyone is having fun And your job to make sure that everything is running smoothly. And sometimes you just have a bad employee, so to speak, and you just got to let them go or you got to put your foot down. Like, look, there's your, there's your third warning. I'm sorry, dude. Like one more and I'm You get four warnings here. Apparently one more and you're out of here. (laughs) I,
2: I would say if it's not your house or home, then you have to talk to the person whose house or home it is and tell them I'm having a problem with this person. We might have to tell them they can't join us at the table.
0: Yeah. I mean, that depends too. Cause sometimes it's one of those, like it's my home. So I'm the one who invited these players in, but other yeah. times it's like, well, he's only here. Cause you asked me if he could be here so you can kick him out whenever right. you want.
2: Right. And if it's, if it's their home, then you just got to talk to the rest of the group and say, you know, do we want to game somewhere else? You know, maybe leave Dave out of it. Cause he's always being a jerk face. You know, if they're getting really disruptive, then you might just have to change up the location or the players or that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. And I've dealt with that um, jerk player that it's like, well, it's my house. i do what I want. Uh, See ya.
2: And and for GMs (laughs) that maybe haven't dealt with that a lot or haven't had to do that a lot, it is tough, but you got to do it. And once you do it, you'll be happy that you did because you'll be getting those people away from the game. And you'll notice your game will run smoother. That is not disrupting people as much, not bringing down the mood, you know, not doing all these things that you, are wishing man I wish they wouldn't do that and you're going to see them all gone
1: I think I mean I hadn't really chipped in there because I actually think that as far as as dealing with the jerk player goes um, the problem comes up earlier like like Jared kind of said you know generally the DM is friends with everybody you kind of want to be friendly with everybody kind of a mini social group in your game group and the first problem with the first step of any problem is admitting that there is one and In order for you to handle a jerk, first, you have to say that somebody that you're hanging out with and having fun with is being a jerk. And some people don't want to do that. So you just have to sometimes step up and admit that this person is being detrimental to the fun of our game. We need to address this problem.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing kind of situation as like I have friends that I would never want to work with. And I have people that I probably would never hang out with that are decent, you know, that are actually good coworkers. You know what I mean? Like I've been in jobs where I've worked with a friend and I'm like, oh my God, dude, like we can, we can hang out. We have like interests. We're good at like sitting together in a room and chatting, but like you are lazy as crap. Like do something, would you? Right. And then there's other situations where like, you know, what, you, you know what, you're kind of obnoxious and I would never really want to hang out with you for more than an hour, but, but you you're, a damn, you're a damn good worker. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And the same is kind of true with gaming groups. Like, you know, like obviously your friend base, typically you're like minded from, you know, people. So that's where you're going to get the base of your game group from is from friends or friends of friends.
2: But if one of your friends is a super douchebag, you got to know that going in.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's (laughs) the and when most of us have a friend that we know is a douchebag, like there might not be a douchebag to us,
1: but we know they're a douchebag and that's going to come into the game. So (laughs) my friends I get along with really well. They're great people. I just probably wouldn't really want, don't think there'd be a good fit at the gaming table. Right. Exactly. And not only do they have to
0: be, you know, a good friend or a good fit with you, but with everyone else that's at that table, everyone needs to have some sort of chemistry and it doesn't have to be a perfect chemistry. There can be a little bit of friction, which can, you know, as long as there's a little, only a little bit, you know, that can play into an interesting dynamic in game. Um, but you know there, it's just one of those like everyone has to have you know like a mutual respect for each other everyone needs to understand like we're here to have fun i think that's coming
1: up on our next topic yeah we're getting our, <laughs> our the next one on the list that we were going to hit um because we need to be wrapping this one up um is actually gonna we're planning on talking about interplayer conflict mm-hmm. um i know usually we don't preview you know the next episodes but this is kind of almost kind of a part two yeah. um this this episode is players disrupting the game and the next one interplayer conflict is talk about players being disruptive with each other. Um, And that's also why there may have been some disruptions that you're like, well, why didn't they talk about this or that? Because we got it on the list for next time. So we are going to wrap it up. Feel free to uh let us know if you have any feedback on disruptive players or useful techniques that you found to help keep them in line. You can get in touch with us on Facebook, like comment and subscribe. We have message boards, gamemasterstudio.proboards.com. We are on Twitter, GMS Studios, and we've now set up on Patreon, uh patreon.com/gamemasterstudio where you can show your support and also get some uh, bonuses that we are working on getting set up and providing. So we are going to call it there. Thank you for joining us, and we'll get together and hear you next time we're in the studio. (laughs)
0: That <laughs> that's fine um i'll get it back at i honestly think like you can i mean you can talk to jerks out of game all day long but if i mean if someone's truly just is a jerk or enjoys being a jerk during your game for whatever like see ya bye gotta go yeah that's really what i bought like that's the oh, best way to deal with a jerk I got it. jump in say it we can rearrange that
2: so